Well, thank you so much for joining us here at Stevenson High Kirk in North Ayrshire for our morning devotions. Well, this morning we're led by our dear friend, Reverend Alan Ford, who will be continuing in our series on 1 Samuel, which Alan began last year. Well, I pray that the Lord will bless you and encourage you this morning. Well, in Psalm 34, we read, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Therefore, let's worship together as we sing in our opening hymn, Love Divine. i 
let us pray. Gracious Lord and Father, we pray for an outpouring of your word in this nation. We ask that you'll call into your service those who will proclaim your word without fear or favour, who will speak with the full authority of God into our nation, and that with that authority the people may listen, the ears will burn as they realise that indeed this is the word of the Lord. Gracious Father, grant an outpouring of your Spirit upon us here in Stevenson and in North Ayrshire and in our nation. For we look to you, knowing that the fields, the souls are ripe for the harvest and the time is coming when we must go out as reapers. Lord, hear us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we take our reading from 1 Samuel chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realised that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons uttered blasphemies against God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, 
He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Amen. And may the Lord bless to us the reading of his precious word. Good morning. It's good to be back with you. I've been away from Stevenson High quite a lot of Sundays over the winter. I've been preaching down in uh, Wigton and Stranraer and in various places down there uh, because they're desperately short of preachers down in that part of the country and it also enables us to get to see our grandchildren as well. This morning I'm continuing a short series on second on first samuel which i began last summer with you we saw how hannah prayed for a son by her husband elkanah at the tabernacle at shiloh and how at first eli the old priest thought that she was drunk and then he realized that in fact she was distressed in prayer before the lord and eli told her that god would answer her prayer and part of the covenant that God and Hannah made with each other was that her son would be dedicated to the Lord for his entire life. After Samuel was weaned, she brought him to the tabernacle and apprenticed him to Eli and returned regularly with fresh priestly clothes for Samuel as he grew. Sadly, Eli's two sons, Phineas and Hophni, were a bad lot, stealing from the sacrifices and having their way with the women outside the tabernacle. A man of God came to Eli and told him that because his sons were acting in these ways, that his sons would both die on the same day as a sign of the judgment of God and that his extended family would become beggars seeking a morsel of bread and a, a turn at serving in the tabernacle so that they might have food and that another would take their place, a true man of God. That ready, the Lord was preparing the way for Eli and his sons to be replaced by another whom God had chosen. And of course, we already suspect that that would be none other than Samuel. First verse of our reading from 1 Samuel chapter 3 sets the scene and it's a despondent one. It's a sad one. Some might say it has similarities with these days in which we live. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Samuel ministered before the Lord, meaning he participated in the priestly role at the tabernacle, supervised by the old man Eli. The rituals were kept, the sacrifices were made, and the rules and regulations laid down were obeyed. But all that was present was the outward form of religion. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. It was a time 
of Israel being in a, a spiritual desert, a time of lifeless ritual rather than of vibrant living faith. And it is not surprising, really. The three main spiritual leaders in the country, Eli, Phineas and Hophni, were bringing the worship of the Lord into disrepute. The sons, by their actions, and the old Eli, by his inaction. We see repeatedly in the history of Israel that when the king of or the priests are living lives that do not become God's anointed, that it influences the whole nation. Godly leadership results in a godly nation, while ungodly leadership leads a nation down into the depths of sin and degradation. There are several accounts of how individuals were called into God's special service. We have the call to Moses from the burning bush, the call of Isaiah while he was in the temple, and the call of other prophets also. Our passage this morning tells us of how the call of God came to Samuel. Eli has grown old and weak and frail and is almost blind by this time. And probably that means his sons had almost a free hand to pursue their immoral and unholy ways around the tabernacle. I'm sure his sons would take advantage of his failing years to get even worse. Eli was a man of faith, but he was failing in every part of his life. But he clung to the familiar, and as the night began to fall, he went to his usual place and bedded down in the tabernacle. Samuel was close at hand to attend to Eli should need any help during the night. The tabernacle would be quiet at the end of the day. The doors would be closed. The crowds would be gone. Probably a lamp on the lampstand would be flickering. The dull embers of the fire at the sacrificial altar would be glowing dimly. And Samuel lay down to sleep in what was regarded as the most holy of places close to the Ark of the Covenant containing the tablets of the Ten Commandments, the rod of Aaron, and a pot of manna, which were there as constant reminders of God's law, God's leadership, and God's love. In the gloaming, something special happens. It was an ordinary evening, but something extraordinary happened. We read, Then the Lord called Samuel, Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You call me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You call me. My son, Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. The writer gives us an explanation of why at first Samuel did not recognise the voice coming to him in that most holy of places. 
We read, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Even though the, he ministered in the tabernacle and handled holy things, he didn't yet know the Lord. I suppose he was a bit like Charles Wesley, the leader of Methodism and the great hymn writer. Wesley was a, a minister's son, educated at Oxford, where he formed a holy club amongst his fellow students, became a minister and went as a missionary to America, where he was singularly unsuccessful. But it was after his return to Britain that on the 21st of May 1738, he came to know the Lord. And three days later, his brother John shared the same experience. Charles Wesley and his brother John were both changed men. They had the outward form of religion before with all its trappings. But it was only when they came to know the Lord that their lives were changed. And they spoke with the authority of men who knew the Lord. And their ministry was incredibly fruitful. Old Eli may have wandered away from a close relationship with the Lord because of his inaction regarding his sons. But he still had an understanding of the things of God and how God worked out his purpose. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realised that the Lord was calling the boy. And so Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Eli understood what was happening. Perhaps he was even expecting it when he thought of what the man of God had told him was ahead for his sons, both going to die in the same day. And so Samuel accepts the wisdom of old Eli and doesn't, does just that. And Samuel finds himself in the presence of the Lord in such a simple way. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times Samuel Samuel then Samuel said speak for your servant is listening and what the Lord says to Samuel is life-changing for Samuel but it's also to be life-changing for the nation Israel as well the old order of things will be swept away and there will be an outpouring of God's judgment and God's grace. The Lord is about to do something that will have everyone talking about. But firstly, there will be God's judgment. It's necessary to clear the way, the dead wood and the weeds for the new growth that God has in store for Samuel and God's people. And the judgment spoken of is the reiteration of the judgment already spoken by the man of God to Eli. The Lord said, at that time I'll carry out 
against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end, who I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God. He failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. And these were awesome words of judgment. And one can imagine that Samuel would be reticent to speak of these things with anyone, least of all to old Eli. But eventually morning came and the start of a new day and Samuel goes and opens the door of the tabernacle so that the pilgrims and the worshippers may enter when they start arriving for the morning sacrifice. Every morning at about 9am our time, the first sacrifice was placed upon the altar in both the tabernacle and later on in the temple. And this was the morning sacrifice. The people of Israel gathered together to worship every morning at this time as a sacrifice was laid upon the altar and offered to the Lord. A voice summons Samuel again, but this time it's not the voice of the Lord. Eli called and said, Samuel, my son. And Samuel answered, here I am. Eli wants to know what the Lord has said to Samuel. What was it he said to you? Eli asked, don't hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. And so Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. I think those words tell us a lot about Eli. He was accepting of God's will, even though it was personally awful. For it concerned the death of his two sons, the impoverishment of his family. He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. And from that day when Samuel first came to know the Lord, his life was utterly and irrevocably changed. As is the case when all who come to know the Lord and change spread out from Samuel like ripples in a pond to the whole nation. We started our reading with the words, in those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And we finished our reading with the words, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. And he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognised that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. And there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Our chapter begins with the poverty of the word in the nation and ends with it in abundance. And so man was changed, a nation was changed. And this was a watershed time for Samuel and for Israel as well. 
They experience what we would call a revival. A revival as they turned back to God. It tells us a truth, though, about our times. We desperately need the Lord to intervene in our nation and to be to bring about revival. We need the word of God proclaimed with the full authority of God in the whole of our nation. And it reminds us also that even in our churches and in our pulpits, there are those who do not yet know the Lord and have no true understanding of the word of God. They may know the words and even have studied the Bible but unless they know the Lord, as Samuel came to do, they're little better than Eli, Phineas and Hophni. Jesus told the parable of the wheat and the tares, or weeds, growing side by side into the day of judgment. And it is indeed a sobering thought for every one of us. truth
let us unite our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, how we praise you this morning, for you are sovereign, not only of individuals, but of nations and governments. We thank you for your law of love and justice and grace, which is higher than any human law. O help us to seek to be true to your law above all else. Awaken in us the knowledge that we are not called to hide our light, but rather we are called to shine for Christ our reigning King. Awaken in us a renewed commitment to faithfulness and service, a commitment to care for each other, and to be good stewards in all areas of life. As we live in a broken world, may we experience hope in the midst of despair, joy in the midst of sorrows, faith in the midst of fear, truth in the midst of confusion, and generosity in the face of need. In the quietness of these moments, we lift up the nations of the world, our parliaments, governments, and councils. We lift up our families, friends, and neighbours, We lift up our cities, towns and villages. From the highlands and islands to the lowlands, we ask that you would bring healing, streams of mercy, love and joy. Although the days seem so spiritually dark, we rejoice that we are citizens of your kingdom. Therefore, let your kingdom come in power and glory. O revive your church again. Come Lord Jesus, and may floods of revival flow upon our hearts and homes and especially upon our nation at this time. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.
And so may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, comfort and power of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.